Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul began by identifying himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He affirms that he was called, appointed and sanctified by the Lord to be the messenger of the gospel. Then reminded his readers that they also are saints, the faithful, through the same blessing of God. We are called to be holy and to be faithful to the great call of the Master. Grace to you and peace from God. By doing this, Paul placed the focus on the unmerited blessings given to believers in Christ. Through God's marvelous grace, sinners are delivered from their sins and brought into a saving relationship with the Holy God. Grace always brings benefits and one of these benefits is reflected in the word peace, which the Apostle always associates with God's grace. Until we know and appropriate grace, we can't experience peace. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. From verses 3 to 14, Paul describes the work of the triune God on behalf of the believer. In verses 3 to 16, he portrays the work of God the Father. Paul called for a blessing upon the Father in the sense of recognizing His glory and honor and goodness because the Father has blessed the believer with every spiritual blessing. He emphasizes the term spiritual blessing. With every spiritual blessing in the the heavenly places in Christ. These spiritual blessings are ours in the heavenly places in Christ. They are higher, better and more secure than earthly blessings. Our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be the heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Paul explains about the spiritual blessing from God the Father. The prime spiritual blessing is our election. We were chosen in Christ based on God. God's sovereign purpose out of his agape unconditional love and this election is said to take place before the foundation of the world that is God's choice in election occurred before time and creation emphasizing that this choice was based on God's sovereign purpose not human merits the purpose of those chosen by God is that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he chose us not because we were holy but chosen that we should be holy and blameless he said us apart from this world and that's not the end of the Christian journey. We ought to live blamelessly keeping in mind that we have to stand before him for judgment. The election by God is not a license to live freely but it is a call to be responsible and to be faithful in the Christian walk. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. The prime spiritual blessing was our election and then our adoption into the family of God. God's unfolding plan for us not only includes salvation and personal transformation but also a warm confident relationship with the Father. The emphasis in adoption is that we receive a new legal standing and relationship with God because he chose us to be full members of his family. Everything that we have from 
from God is in Christ and comes to us because he was willing to go to the cross to secure our salvation. God blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in Christ. He predestined us to adoption through Jesus Christ. He freely bestowed his grace on us in Christ, the beloved. He redeemed us in Christ. He purposed all of these blessings in him. We obtained an inheritance in him. It is all in and through Jesus Christ and not at all in or through anything in us. So he gets all the glory. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We are elected by the Father. We are predestined to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ and we are accepted by the Father through Jesus Christ. An amazing explanation of the work of God the Father. The relational aspect is emphasized again as Paul describes the status of accepted that is granted to every believer because of God's grace. Remember, anything that robs God of his glory in our salvation is not from him. The main goal of our salvation which rests on God's choosing and predestining us should be to bring us to a realization of the glory of God where we boast only in him. To praise God properly for the glory of his grace in Christ, we must remember what we were before his grace found us. We can never truly appreciate God's grace until we get the biblical perspective on the depths of sin from which God rescued us. We were dead in our sins, sons of disobedience and children of wrath. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. To praise God properly for the glory of his grace in Christ, we must see that he gave his beloved son for our salvation. God freely bestowed his grace on us in the beloved. Praise God for the glory of his freely bestowed grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Paul explains the work of Son of God, our redemption and forgiveness of sins through the only begotten Son Jesus Christ. There is no possible redemption outside of Jesus and his redeeming blood. Redemption always implies a price being paid for the freedom that is purchased. Observe, it is not redemption through his power, it is through his blood. It is not redemption through his love, it is through his blood. The redemption and forgiveness given to us come according to the measure of the riches of his grace. It is not a small redemption or forgiveness won by Jesus on the cross. It is immense, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. God not only gives us grace, but he gives the wisdom and prudence to appreciate it. Wisdom in the ability to apply God's grace to our experience. God gives divine insight into his grace. Redemption is divine wisdom. This is a wisdom that the world cannot offer. Prudence is understanding the subjective grasp of grace. God gives us all the understanding necessary to walk with him by grace daily. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. Apostle Paul blesses God for another privilege we have that is the divine revelation that God hath made known to us the mystery of his will that is so much of his good will to men which had been concealed for a long time and is still concealed from so great a part of the world. This we owe to Christ who having lain in the bosom of the Father from eternity came to declare his will to the children of men. According to his pleasure his secret counsels concerning man's redemption which he had purposed 
purpose or resolved upon merely in and from himself and not for anything in them in this revelation and his making known unto us the mystery of his will the wisdom and the prudence of god do abundantly shine forth it is described as the word of truth and the gospel of our salvation it is the gospel of our salvation it publishes the glad tidings of salvation and contains the offer of it it points out the way that leads to it and the blessed spirit renders the reading and the ministration of his effectual to the salvation of souls in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory the eternal inheritance is the great blessing with which we are blessed in Christ in whom also we have obtained an inheritance heaven is the inheritance the happiness of which is a sufficient portion for a soul it is conveyed in the way of an inheritance being the gift of a father to his children we see three aspects of god's plan it begins with his purpose then the counsel of his will and finally results in his work god made his plan carefully according to an eternal purpose taking counsel within the godhead and then he works with all wisdom the goal of god's ultimate plan is to glorify him praise him for electing us praise him for adopting us into the family of god praise him for accepting us as his children praise him for the redemption through the blood of jesus Christ and praise him for the inheritance we have in him our life must overflow with songs of praises and adoration in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory paul explains the work of the holy spirit in these verses by the holy spirit believers are sealed that is separated and set apart for god and distinguished and marked as belonging to him the spirit is the earnest of our inheritance the earnest is part of a payment and it secures the full sum so is the gift of the holy ghost all his influences and operations both as a sanctifier and a comforter the spirit's illumination is an earnest of everlasting light sanctification is an earnest of perfect holiness and his comforts are earnest of everlasting joys he is said to be the earnest until the redemption of the purchased possession it may be called here the possession because this earnest makes it as sure to the heirs as though they were already possessed of it and it is purchased for them by the blood of Christ we have this earnest until we are completely purchased by God through our resurrection and glorification when he returns again all to the praise of his glory Therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers From verses 15 to 23 we see Paul's prayer for spiritual wisdom Apostle Paul blesses God for what he had done for the believers in Ephesus and then he prays that God would do more for them. He gives thanks for spiritual blessings and prayers for further supplies of them. When Paul heard of the faith and love of the Ephesians, he could do nothing else but give thanks for them. This was because their faith and love were evidence of their participation in this great work of God. Another encouragement to pray for them was because they had received the earnest of the inheritance. This we may observe from 
from the words being connected with the preceding ones by the particle therefore our praise must be filled with thanks to god not because he has given some material blessings but because he sustained us in our spiritual journey making our faith stronger each day and also to take care for the fellow brothers of us bless the lord that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him Here Paul prays that the believers would know God more sincerely. The great thing he prays for is the illumination of their understandings and that their knowledge might increase and abound. He means it of practical and experimental knowledge. The graces and comforts of the spirit are communicated to the soul by the enlightening of the understanding. Christian maturity is the realization that we need to know more of Jesus Christ and roots deeper in him every day of our Christian life. Paul prayed that the believers may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to have a better knowledge about God the more we get closer to God the more we taste his grace and love the more we know the grace and love of God the less we will go after the desires of this world if the world is still enticing us we are lacking the spirit of wisdom and revelation about him spend time in prayer have a desire to know him more each day of our spiritual journey the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe Paul prays for enlightenment to the eyes of our understanding to realize the knowledge of the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling is a perspective to the future. The believer has a glorious future of resurrection, eternal life, freedom from sin, perfected justification and glorious elevation above the angels themselves. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Paul wanted them to know the greatness of God's inheritance in his people. We should understand that we are so precious to God that he considered us his inheritance the exceeding greatness of god's power towards those who believe Paul wanted us to know how great the power of God is toward us who believe. Christians should know that they serve and love a God of living power who shows his strength on behalf of his people. God wants resurrection life to be real in the life of the believer. If Paul believed it was important to pray these things for the Ephesian Christians, we need to pray them for others and ourselves. According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come Here Paul describes the great power of God that Paul wants the Ephesians to know the greatness of the mighty power raised Jesus from the dead if the death of Christ is a supreme demonstration of the love of God the resurrection of Christ is the supreme demonstration of his power the greatness of the mighty power seated him at the right hand of the father it is the mighty power that raised Jesus to heaven after his resurrection raising him above all demonic force and every potential enemy of all time this same power is at work in Christians the greatness of the mighty power set him far above all principality power might and dominion all the glory of the upper world and all the powers of both worlds are entirely devoted to him as a believer we should understand the greatness of this power and live in humility and reverence to the father as this great power is given to us in earthen vessels but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of god and not of us
and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all the great resurrection power placed jesus above all things it set jesus as the head over all things including the church paul gives a great explanation about the church here the church is the body of christ it's not the building but the ones whom he chose adopted and redeemed members of the body of christ are joined to christ in salvation members of the body of christ follow christ as their head members of the body of christ are indwelt by the holy spirit of christ christ fills all in all this shows his authority as the risen ruler above all things the church is christ's fullness it's filled with christ he is not only the head above it he is the life within it he does not only teach bless command and lead he inspires his people and lives in his church yes we are the members of his body ecclesia the ones who are called out for his glory and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in chapter 2 paul explains god's way of reconciliation from verses 1 to 3 he describes the need for reconciliation initially he says we are made alive from the dead Paul considers the implications of the resurrection power of Jesus for our life. He is reminding us again where we came from. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Spurgeon said, not in a moral sense, nor a mental sense, but in a spiritual sense, poor humanity is dead. And so the word of God again and again most positively describes it. The idea behind the word trespass is that we have crossed the boundaries set by God in disobedience and the idea behind the word sin is that we have missed the mark the perfect standard of God's holiness trespasses speak of man as a rebel sins speak of man as a failure but from all these he made us alive he chose us redeemed us adopted us into the family of God where he gave us authority to call him above father and we ought to live in the standard of this great appointment by God in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others we lived in trespasses and sins according to the course of this world which is orchestrated by satan satan the prince of the power of the air is still very much active among those in rebellion against god the sons of disobedience the self that once walked was the old man now crucified with jesus when we accepted him as the savior and lord of our heart once walked also means that once we came to christ we have a different standard walking in the newness of life we once were among the sons of disobedience and have embraced the lust of the flesh and because of our surrender to the old man the world and satan we were by nature children of wrath we rightfully deserved god's wrath and deserved it because of who we were by our heritage but as his mercy redeemed us we are made alive in christ and are never supposed to follow the same old fleshly desire yes we are supposed to live in the standard of our heavenly father who redeemed us through the death and resurrection of his only begotten son 
but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. From verses 4 to 10, Paul explains the process of personal reconciliation to God. Paul describes the reason behind why God is reconciling man to himself and these reasons revolve only around God so as no man can boast about his works but rely solely upon the grace of God. The reasons are his rich mercy and his great love which he lavished upon us. The good news of God's salvation offered to us is the fact that this mercy and love is extended to us. This verse is similar to two other verses showing the amazing grace of God. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 to 7, Paul uses another phrase, he emptied himself. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. It was all out of his love that he extended his mercy upon us. Paul had been given another explanation in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. It was his agape love that made him redeem us from our sins. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, the love of God is the foundation of our reconciliation with him. And reconciliation is by the will of God. It is by the act of forgiveness and it is by the obedience of faith. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 5 to 7. These verses show us the past, present and future of God's work of individual reconciliation. He loved us when we were dead in trespasses, showing the requirement of salvation, dead to every attempt to justify ourselves before God. And his love transformed us. He made us alive together with Christ. The old man is crucified and we are new creations in Jesus with the old things passing away and all things becoming new. Paul emphatically adds the importance of God's grace here. Our salvation from spiritual death is God's work done for the undeserving and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus speaks about the present position of the Christian. As Paul quotes in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Clark said, we have a right to the kingdom of God, anticipate this glory and are indescribably happy in the possession of this salvation and in our fellowship with Christ Jesus. And in the future, he will continue to show the exceeding riches of his grace to us in his abounding kindness. Spurgeon commented about this verse as, So is it with the grace of God. He has as much grace as you want, and he has a great deal more than that. The Lord has as much grace as a whole universe will require, but he has vastly more. He overflows. All the demands that can ever be made on the grace of God will never impoverish him or even diminish his store of mercy that will remain an incalculably precious mine of mercy as full as when he first began to bless the sons of men.